It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. It's time for our weekly chat with our draft expert, Richard Stamen, talking all about the Thunder draft class of 2021. How good can Josh Giddy be from an unbiased source? Also getting into the entirety of this Thunder draft class. All that and more coming up on today's podcast, brought to you by rockauto.com. It's the Lockdown Thunder podcast on Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Here we go. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. Go to thundersintentions.com for all of your writing needs. And now... We're going to talk about what's on today's show, which is the NBA draft yet again. The most important topic heading into this weekend as we enter the Vegas Summer League. This show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Tell them Lockdown sent you once you get there. We're going to bring in our guest right now, Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Lockdown NBA Draft host. You've been with us this entire pre-draft process. We've finally made it to the post-draft process. How did you feel about draft night? And how are you feeling now that we've kind of had a chance to decompress from a stressful draft season? Hey, first of all, it's very nice to not have to worry anymore about what's going to happen on draft night. And also, I really appreciate you uh, you having me on all pre-draft process. But I'm feeling good. It was a weird draft night. Um, wasn't exactly how I expected it to go. But I think really there was only one team that disappointed, and it was not Oklahoma City. So that's a pretty big thing to to have. Well, who is that team that disappointed you then? Oh, it was Memphis. They shouldn't have taken on salary. Like yeah, very bluntly, they shouldn't have taken on salary, terrible contracts to go up to 10, to take a guy they could have taken at 17. And then they took a guy who I didn't even have his top 90. So that was weird to me. That did seem like an odd move to me as well. I'm surprised that the Kings don't make a little more headway on that list. How'd you feel about the Kings before we get into the thunder? I actually really liked their draft. I know it's weird with the positional overlap of Fox, Heald, Halliburton, and Mitchell. But also, on the other hand, they're now very deep at guard. They addressed their defense in the draft, and I loved their Nemeas Kata pick at 39. So I, I was a big fan of how they improved their needs, both going young and immediately. So speaking of a team that's deep at guard, the Thunder. They come on at the clock at pick six, right? You had the draft fall with a tiny surprise, if you want to call it that, but you and I discussed this a lot leading up to the draft. You had Cade go one, obviously. Green go two, clearly. Uh, Mobley go three, without a doubt. Four is where you saw Scotty Barnes fly off the board to Toronto. They'd been rumored to like him a lot. 
they actually made the move to take him. The Thunder liked him as well, and I'm glad that the, that the Raptors got him, not the Thunder. At five, your magic just lucked into Jalen Suggs, falling all the way down to five. And then the Thunder on the clock here, and they have on the board Jonathan Kaminga, who's been top five this entire process for the most part. They have James Booknight, who has been somebody that was linked to the Thunder, Thunder so heavily. We thought they were going to draft him. And they don't go in either of those directions. They go with Josh Giddy as a surprise to everyone, the 16-year-old guard, 6'9", from Australia. What's your thoughts on Giddy, and what's your thoughts on Giddy's fit with Shea? Yeah, so first of all, I was very surprised. I I did locked on NBA for that Thursday, and we recorded the night before, and I on, on there, one of the hosts was saying, you know, there's a real chance Giddy goes to seven. Like, that's what Memphis was moving up for. To Golden State was the team to beat. Turns out it was Oklahoma City because nobody talks from that organization on what they're going to do. It was a massive surprise. I, In a weird way, I think he actually works well with SGA. But on the other hand, there are some very important things that Giddy and SGA both need to iron out in their game, which is, you know, the pull-up shooting for both of them is lacking. Like that's, that's one thing that is going to be very difficult to make up for. But on the other hand, I think they can actually both having that two guard lineup that both of them can pretty much create for others and get everyone else involved in their basketball. IQ is incredible. It could really work. And then also when one is off the floor, the other can do their thing and be at their absolute best. So it's a, it's actually not a terrible pick at six is where I had the issue. It's just the placement, not the actual selection. Did the placement kind of get alleviated for you whenever you see the reports of the athletic the next day and, and Jeremy Wu the next day at Sports Illustrated saying that the Warriors were going to take him at seven. So it didn't really give the chance for the Thunder to kind of move back because they wouldn't have gotten their guy anyway. So if Giddy's their guy, they kind of were forced to take him at six. Right, exactly. If they were all in on him and thought he was the best of the rest out of the top four, um, then it's very realistic that they didn't want to get the assets and wanted their guy instead. I mean, I do think Giddy is pretty safe from busting, even though he doesn't shoot, he's not really a defender. And, but his basketball IQ is at that size. He knows how to use his body so well. And he's 18 years old. Like he's not going to bust. So they have a positive asset at the very least. We're going to get more into the Giddy specifically coming up, but I do want to touch on, you mentioned, you know, playing with Shea and, and Giddy said himself, he's never played with a guard like Shea before. So this is going to be a new territory for the 18-year-old guard, you know, kind of playing off of somebody who's going to be so ball dominant and, and rightfully so with Shea. Uh, what do you think about the Thunder's roster construction, just basketball-wise, X's and O's-wise? It's clear that the shift has been made ever since Darius Baisley's draft that the Thunder are targeting big playmakers, guys who have size, guys who can playmake, and, and even if they have deficiencies in shooting or offensively or defensively, as long as they're big, can handle, can playmake, they think that that's kind of a, a trend now to kind of make their roster around that. Can that win? If you just get a collection of guys who are all sizable, hopefully in the future, switchable defensively and can all do the ball handling, grab a rebound and go and be a playmaker. Yeah. I mean, they're very clearly going for getting the versatility in the lineup. I don't really know what their team building um, outlook is and who's going to stick and whatnot, but I like the idea of having at least like four playmakers at any given time, which seems like the path they're going down. And, and obviously the level of playmaking dips from each person to person, but, and I think Giddy's probably the very best playmaker on the team from day one. Um, but I do think that the idea of getting playmakers everywhere just creates an ultimate mismatch. They want to be, you know, the Warriors were the biggest mismatch team we'd ever seen. And I would say in the first year of their dominance, because 
no, no team knew how to stop it. And if the Thunder, and I don't want to compare the teams, but like if the Thunder could introduce a new wave of that versatility and just automatic mismatches, that's a pretty high upside. Like that is similar upside in my opinion is having, you can never match up correctly. It's very easy to make it a mismatch. That has a lot of value in winning NBA games and, and playoff series. Hopefully that's kind of the area they're going to go towards is trying to find that market efficiency that small markets have to find and kind of find that edge over uh, the, the teams that can just go out there and get the very, very best players out there. Now going back to Giddy specifically, the jump shot that will open up so much for this game, both playing next to Shea in terms of whenever they're on the floor together, because it's very easy to stagger their minutes to where they're, they're going to both be able to do their thing, as you say, and be the lead playmaker, but they are going to have to play together to be successful long-term with the Thunder organization, try to win games long-term for the Thunder. So with that shot, how confident are you that he can progress to being at least a good spot-up shooter next to Shea to allow them and that duo to play together and allow Shea to still be that point guard uh, that he kind of wants to be? I feel fairly confident because of the fact that Giddy's never lost confidence in his shot. He was always shooting. He was always uh, attempting the threes. It looked good to me. Uh, you have a kind of a better opinion on the mechanics and everything than I do. It looked good to me. He mentioned before that like the, the percentage is really killed him at the start of the year and kind of got a little better as it progressed throughout the rest of the season in the NBL playing as a grown professional league as an 18 year old. What is your feeling on his jump shot as a whole? Yeah, I actually don't really have any concerns about his touch and spot up shooting. Those I think are going to come. The pull up shooting is always the area I've had an issue with. He does the splits. It looks like when he's doing a pull up jumper, especially the deeper it goes, the wider his legs fall out. So I don't like that, but if you're playing next to XGA, and you're probably not needing to do that many pull-up jump shots when for the first few years, at least with Giddy. Like, I think it doesn't matter because his spot-up jump shot is so quick. He never dips the ball below like his chest at the worst. Maybe it touch it goes near the abs, but like for the most part, his shot is very quick, it's very smooth, it's projectable as a spot-up shooter. I think that is an area where even I, who I was pretty down on Giddy this whole draft process, and especially because of that jump shot, the more I watched him shoot the more I realized, wow, okay, that, that jump shot, it may not go in every time right now, but the form and everything like that, that's a very projectable, at least league average shot, in my opinion, from spot up. Now, overall, who knows what it's going to be because the pull-up jump shot is just a very far away. And I honestly don't know if he ever gets there on that. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago. You could have been going to rockauto.com and finding all the parts your car would ever need. All of them. Every last one of them. My favorite part about rockauto.com is that I know nothing about cars and I don't have to know anything about cars. They're not going to upcharge me. They're not going to try to take advantage of me. What they're going to do is let me have access to their incredibly easy to navigate website. I go to their website, rockauto.com. You go there right now. The website will allow you to put three things into their database, your make, your model, your year. And they're only going to show you car parts that are compatible with your vehicle. That way, you're not wasting time, effort, resources, money on parts you cannot use, parts you do not need, asking questions that you don't know the answer to about what's compatible with your vehicle. I would be lost without that feature. It's brilliant. It's great to go to rockauto.com and find their amazing selection, reliably low prices, other parts your car will ever need. Whenever you go there to rockauto.com, tell them Lockdown sent you in the how did you hear out of box, and they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com, rockauto.com.
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If he can be a league average catch and shoot option playing next to Shea with his playmaking, and I find encouragement in the way that he can get to his spots uh, when driving to the rim. I don't know if you agree with that aspect of his game, but that is a very, very good player that the Thunder can select a six. Yeah, and Giddy's basketball IQ, like I said, he knows how to get to his spots when he wants, how he wants, and everything. Even though he doesn't have much of a physical advantage outside of his height, he knows how to get to where he wants at his own tempo. And and sure, like I, I know that's a very much a catchphrase for he's slow at he plays his own speed, but um he he really does like he's not even that slow, but he genuinely does get to where he wants however he wants. He doesn't bully you, he does he just abuses you mentally almost. It's weird. It's it's unlike a lot of point guards you've seen at 18 years old. I, I really enjoy the way that he kind of commands the game. And I think that another encouraging part is how fluid he is in the post and, and how many moves he has to get to those spots. While you mentioned not being a, a physical you know, empowerment of his body, but he knows how to, how to use his body, how to use angles, and how to get to his spots with his IQ. And again, Shea plays as his, his own tempo. He doesn't just blow by guys off the dribble. He, he plays at his own tempo, tempo as well. So that can work in the NBA for sure. What, what are to you the realistic plans for Giddy and progression for Giddy? We know that progression will not be linear. So we'll see what his progression is this year and next year and the year after that. And this is going to be a little bit of a process here with Josh Giddy. But if the Thunder can execute a developmental plan for him, his future looks like what? Is he an all-star? Is he a quality starter? Is he a superstar? Kind of what do the Thunder have here if they can reach his potential? Yeah, so I'll answer this in two parts. So the upside is probably all-star just because he has a very realistic chance of getting like nine, 10 assists a game. And anytime you're in that territory, you're always going to be considered in the all-star buzz. At the least, it just depends on what everything else is. Like this is a guy who just averaged 11, seven and seven as a rookie or as, excuse me, as an 18 year old in the NBL. I can't remember if he's a rookie or not, but my, the other part of it, I don't really know what the trajectory looks like, I would say, or trajectory, excuse me, looks like. But I think uh, my the way I look at it is the first two years, the top priority has to be, can you develop that jump shot? Whether it's year one, hey, just play off ball as a shooter. Don't worry about taking pull-up jump shots, whatever it is. Or maybe they want to take the approach, hey, take as many pull-up jump shots as you want. We're not trying to win and getting better at it. But I think the first two years, you absolutely want him to get better at shooting. So that by that third year, when he already has all the other skills as a playmaker and everything and getting to the rim and he already has a really tight handle, like you don't have to develop those other areas. Just let him work on his jump shot. And then once that comes along, hopefully you hope that he is a better defender than he is now. I don't think he'll have any problems adjusting to the pro schemes and everything like that on defense, like a lot of rookie guards do. But I do think that effort and just being in stance and knowing how to use his body on the defensive end is another area. I think once all of those come together, that's when he's an all-star. And Mark's done a phenomenal job getting these players better defensively in his tenure with the coaching staff as a member of the Thunder, as a member of the Blue. And of course, last year, he was awesome at progressing every player, even Luke Dort, to, to become a better defender uh, the best that he could. So I believe in his ability to kind of turn Giddy around defensively, at least make him passable. If he's a passable defender, plus his stuff he does offensively, 
that's a really good ball player. I'll ask you the question now, and this is going to be a tough one to answer. I understand that because, as I said, on draft night and since then, this move by Sam Presti has put him in a position where he's not going to get instant gratification. Like People are not going to write in their winners and losers columns and write in their uh, draft recap columns that Sam Presti won the day because he drafted Josh Giddy, but a surprise at six. Uh, this is not going to be something that you can kind of praise right now. You've got to kind of see the vision and see how it moves forward. Uh, just in your opinion, as, a, as an unfavorable question, as it says, what grade did the Thunder get for drafting Giddy at six? And kind of did they make the right choice here? Was this a swing worth taking or kind of a swing that you don't feel comfortable with at six? Yeah, so just looking at Giddy, I thought, I mean, I get it. Like Golden State was going to take Giddy at seven. So like you kind of had to. But taking him at six wasn't a great pick for me. I just, I think there's a small chance, like, don't get me wrong, doubting the Thunder in the draft in any capacity is stupid, but there's a small chance he put, returns number six value in this class. I think it was a bit of a reach. I think he could have gotten similar value. I get it. I like the swing for the fences that he took, and it's a very good swing for the fences with, like, Sure, maybe if the swing doesn't hit a home run, you get a single or something where it's like, yeah, he might be a rotation player and he probably will be. But I, I at six, I just I don't know if they, he returns the value that well or that quickly and the likelihood of it. Who who would have been players that you thought would for sure or as close to for sure as can be return that value at six right now? I mean, immediately there the two names that I think jump out. I mean, as hard as it is to say, that kind of violates what I just said, but Jonathan Kaminga, like the ceiling is top three in the class. Like I genuinely believe that if he hits, you get a very special player as a point forward who is the superstar mold. Again, the likelihood though, pretty well, but uh, excuse me, Oklahoma uh, City is the perfect spot for him to develop. I thought so at least, but um, again, low likelihood of him hitting that ceiling anyways. But the other one, James Booknight, a guy we had talked about a lot over the pre-draft process, my number five player, you get a guy who is going to be, I I think he's going to be a top five rookie. He's going to be great. You're going to get probably top five. He has, he's going to flirt with top five from this class. With Josh Giddy, what is his floor to you? Is it that rotational player? Do you see a way that he is less than that? Are we kind of starting as, Hey, this guy with his with as smart as he is, as as talented as he is, just purely off of playmaking and understand the game of basketball, he's at least going to stick around as a, as a rotational piece in the NBA. I mean, the way I would look at him, there's a comparison I like, which is if you remember when he was on this guy was on the Clippers, Milos Teodosic, when he was there, he was that pure playmaker. He still had a spot. He came in to the NBA much older and past his prime, but that kind of guy where even him, he stuck around as a rotation player on a good team I think that's what you're looking at is probably being the primary backup point guard his entire objective is to get others involved and make everyone else better and use them in limited bursts before the exploitations can begin well we'll see how Josh Giddy kind of progresses kind of what is your prediction about Giddy if you had to just guess right now knowing what the roster construction of you know this team will be built on Shea it'll be built on Dort Giddy you know Poku what does what can this turn into for you? And what when what do you feel safe saying it will become? You know, not not this year necessarily, but just how do these pieces fit together? What what did the Thunder do roster wise with this Giddy move? I mean, how does it impact anyone on this on this roster? Yeah, I mean, I I think it just kind of furthers the point 
that nobody is safe. And this team, the Thunder, every time they draft someone, are trying to hold that. You know, there's a there's a concept that a lot of people. I, I don't know if it's a bias. I don't really know what it is, but it's like the new car uh, value, where it's like a draft pick is very valuable the second until it turns into an actual player and has a name attached to it. Then all of a sudden you're like, eh, doesn't have as much much value. The mystery of the pick holds up, right? Like that's what you want, but once that happens, like the value can deteriorate really quickly. Like if you had asked me, Josh Gittier, the sixth pick um, three months ago, I would have said, Oh, yeah, give me the sixth pick. Like I never, if that makes sense. Um, obviously now he ended up being the sixth pick, but you want to hold that value at least still, if you're going to take someone and just keep acquiring assets. So you want to hold him at least where it's like, Hey, like you get it, you know, the same perceived value as what getting the six pick in this draft was. That's the hope. Obviously, that kind of needs to be more than just a backup point guard. But I think it just kind of furthers overall that nobody is safe. And as long as he is a consistent rotation player who can put up good numbers at the worst, um, he is going to be good in this NBA. And I think that Presti will keep him on the block to an extent. I don't think he's going to keep him as a, an untouchable by any means, but I think he's going to do a lot to keep his value up. I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sport action, including baseball, which you can bet on right now. You can also bet on the NBA Summer League. You can even bet on Josh Giddy's Rookie of the Year potential. Josh Giddy right now is tied for seventh amongst his fellow NBA rookies. If you think he can win Rookie of the Year, which... He'll have ample minutes to do so, so he'll at least have the time necessary to put up the stats to do it, and he'll have the assist numbers to do it. If he can, if you believe in a scoring upside, you should bet and put a little money on Josh Giddy winning Rookie of the Year because of how good the odds are. He's only behind Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Scotty Barnes, James Booknight, and tied with Ampert Ishingun of the Houston Rockets. Trey Mann, if you want a very deep cut, Trey Mann is the 18th best odds for Rookie of the Year at plus 3500. You can get Josh Giddy number at plus 1600. Go over there right now to do that at betonline.ag. Whenever you do, start your free account at betonline.ag. Put the promo code in as locked on. Locked on will get you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's a 50% welcome bonus. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. When you look at this draft class with Josh Giddy, you, you also have to look at this draft class with Trey Mann, the other first-round pick, and, of course, the two second-round picks that we're going to get to. But Trey Mann, bit of a surprise to me at 18. Uh, was it a shock factor you to see Trey Mann go at 18? And kind of how do you evaluate Trey Mann's game? So it wasn't that shocking to me. I, I have him pretty high on my board at 11. But I also had figured he would go around one of the two uh, Knicks picks before they traded them away. So I liked the pick. Best shot creator in the class um, in terms of just space creation. So I really liked that pick. He's an offensive-minded guard. He probably is going to be 
a bench score. He's probably the closest prospect to Lou Will. I know Cameron Thomas got a lot of that pre-draft, but it's really Trey Mann's title with the space creation and the scoring, possibly at three levels. Um, I think I, I think that was a great pick, great value pick at at eighteen. And to me, I think that Trey Mann starts as a you know, just a bucket getter off the bench and kind of a guy that can elevate your bench unit right off the bat and can help you not have that big drop off from your starting level players to your bench level players. And that's very valuable. Um, Where do you see him fitting into this plan? Uh, Is it, is it a case of the James Harden factor where like, yeah, he's really good. He could start talent wise, but it's best if we kind of keep on the bench right now and be a sixth man. Do you think that he can, he can start Do you think he can play off of Shea? Like this Thunder team, while not expected to be very good this year, it does create a very interesting dilemma in terms of the starting lineup of like, you have Shea, that's a guard you want to start, although be it a big guard. You have Giddy, that's a guard you want to start, albeit a big guard. And then you have Lou Dort, he want to start. That's three spots out of five right there. Who are you sliding down at that point defensively? Because we, we, although Giddy has the size, he does have defensive disadvantages to his game. Can you slide him down to four right away? Like, it, it, it kind of gets complicated there, kind of fit the Trey Mann aspect into the starting group even though you want to get a lot of minutes. So to me, his best role this year is sixth man and get his minutes that way. Long-term though, this year and long-term, how do you feel that Trey Mann fits into this organization? And to me, I think that he makes a player, you talk about making players expendable. We're going to get to this later on as well, that he makes a player like Tim Malvon, who I love, kind of expendable as a sweetener of like, if this Trey Mann guy, you know, he kind of pulls it out and is like actually progressing and and pulls it off in terms of matching the 18th overall value pick, uh, then you can kind of put tail into sweeteners in other trades as we saw, you know, draft picks aren't enough to just capture anything you want in this league with trades. You need something tangible to give somebody and tail Malvin can be that if Trey Mann fulfills his kind of ceiling, in my opinion, what is your ceiling for Trey Mann and kind of how does he fit with the thunder? Yeah. So for this year, I think he's probably going to purely come off the bench unless I'd say both Giddy and SJ are hurt. I think Maladon gets the nod over him in that case. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a pure bench score. I think he could play with any three of those point guards, which makes him incredibly versatile, especially because two of them don't have a pull-up game. So, or it, that's harsh. Don't have a great pull-up game. One of them doesn't, but SGA does just, isn't that great at pulling up. Um, so I think Trey Mann really helps shoot off the dribble. It creates some balance there long-term. I think you, every team needs a trade man. I've, I've said this for a while. Every team needs like a Lou Will guy, that guy who you can just rely on to score. We started, saw it with Jordan Clarkson. When those guys get toned down right, those pure scores, things work out very well. Um, I, I do think that every team needs that to be a good team. Obviously, you want it, again, under control. You don't want them shooting 38% and scoring, you know, 13 points on 13 shots or something. But like having him next to those playmaking minded, you know, pass first guys is outstanding. Uh, I, I think that's just an absolute must. And, and, I, and actually just to kind of correct myself, I don't know if SGA actually is pass first. It's probably 50, 50, but having someone like that score next to Gideon SGA is a must. Yeah. I, I think that SGA is kind of in that weird middle ground of like, he's not selfish by no means necessary. Is he, is he selfish, but he's also not pass first in the sense of he's not hesitant, which is good. We, we were clamoring for that to happen for Shea last year. Uh, there was a time period where Shea was too passive and we wanted to be more aggressive. And then that Bulls game happened where he just goes off for 22 points in a quarter and the and the switch flipped for him. And he said, you know what? This is my franchise. This is my team. I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm going to take more shots. I'm going to put the team on my back and be a better uh, 
aggressive offensive player, and he still kept the efficiency. What Shea's doing is incredible, and I want to see him do it even more because he's so fun to watch and so awesome. You mentioned every team needs a Trey Man. Do you think that Trey Man can be the player every team needs? Like, like yes, they need they need Trey Man, the skill set of Trey Man, but is Trey Man going to be that player? I think so. I mean, he is a lot different. A lot of people are skeptical on him because of how bad he was as a freshman at Florida, but he hit a growth spurt. He really just had no comfort being on the floor, and then everything changed. You saw what he looked like when he actually was comfortable. He was able to use his full skill set. I'm very confident in his game translating. That's why I had him 11th on my board. And I think that he is that guy who you want in that role. Like I said, you want someone who's toned down, can believe in that, you know, he's not going to take 13 shots and make, get 13 points. He's going to do it efficiently. He's going to do it smart. And he's not going to kill the flow of the offense. I think off the bench, having that pure score helps a lot in that regard. And he's also a good playmaker. I, I think that's something that's left off of his scouting report. A lot of people, myself included, even talk about him as a scorer and scorer only, but he has some playmaking chops too. Now, I want to give you the floor here. I'm not going to ask you a question. I just want to give you the floor. The Thunder drafted your guy, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Your guy. You're the highest person on him I've ever seen. Maybe higher on him than his parents are, quite frankly. Just take it. Just, just riff for 20 minutes about, about how much you love Jerry. All right. I mean, if you insist that the floor really is mine. Yeah. I, <laughs> I First of all, I'd like to congratulate the city of Oklahoma uh, or, wow, city of Oklahoma City, I guess sounds redundant, but I'd like to congratulate Oklahoma City on getting the most mistake-free player in the entire draft. He doesn't make, he doesn't, not only like he, he makes such perfectly calculated risks where he's not passive and that's not why he's mistake-free. He is very intelligent. He knows how to read defenses at an incredible level. There's a reason Jay Billis all year, he even said it on draft night again, said he's the best pick and roll defender in the country, even though he has a square frame at 6'8 with 6'10 wingspan or 6'9, 6'10 wingspan, something like that. Even though he doesn't have the physical tools, he's not great laterally. Like he still can disrupt pick and roll so well. You don't hear that statement said very often. And that that ability to just be an impact player on both ends without actually dominating anybody is what made so many people fall in love with Grant Williams two years ago. They, I saw people putting him top five. They thought he could be the best glue guy in the league. And I would say that was actually misplaced. It was two years too early. Jeremiah Robinson Earl had every ounce of potential that Grant Williams showed. People thought he could shoot, but to get a little side tangent, Grant Williams' games, game was just not translatable because he was so post-oriented. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a guy who he can shoot mid-range. He didn't need the ball to be effective on offense. He can make others better just by on the floor. He, he kind of like, uh, what's the word? He, he makes traffic flow. Uh, I'm blanking on the word for whatever reason, but he just makes everything go. Like he is the leader without having the ball. He's a communicator. He's, he's an alpha on defense. I just, even though he has the physical shortcomings and the jump shot success isn't there yet, even though if you like make half of his, uh, like if you take out like five misses or something and make two of them makes his jump, his three point percentage actually goes up a good amount. I buy the jump shot, mistake free basketball, pick and roll defense. It's all there. Elite basketball IQ. Elite basketball IQ. Now, I would expect because the Thunder traded two second round picks to make sure they can get their guy who I think could have been there. Of course, at, at their at their slotted pick of 34 and 36, I would expect this contract to look like that of a late first round pick. Do you kind of agree with that assessment of like just the overall value for a pick at 32 and a pick 
where you traded two second round picks to get him kind of that of a second round of a late first round pick that uh, kind of has a little, you know, some opt outs or non guarantees for the Thunder, but still matching up with kind of the you know, 30th overall pick in the first round. Yeah, I think he gets guaranteed money. Like, I mean, this is a guy again, he plays like a seven year veteran. Um, those guys get guaranteed money. Thank you for joining us for part one of our conversation with Richard Stamen. Part two tomorrow, talking more about JRE. Josh Giddy, Aaron Wiggins, Trey Mann, this Thunder draft class, and what kind of the outlook is for the Thunder in the near and distant future. So make sure you tune in for that on tomorrow's show. This is Locked on Thunder, the daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. If you didn't hear, Kemba Walker was bought out on uh, Wednesday. We're going to get to that on Friday's pod to start the show, and then get into the part two for Richard. So we're going to get into that more in depth, but he was bought out, and it is a good thing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. We'll explain that tomorrow as well. Make sure you tune in. Locked on Thunder anywhere. You get your podcast from. Until then, be good and be good to another. Perfect ending to a historic day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.